Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast where we're a little bit embarrassed to be having a Star Trek podcast, aren't we, Adam? <laughs> I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica, still embarrassed. <laughs> um, I was thinking we hadn't done Bible study in a while. Does that have any appeal to you, Adam? Uh, it frequently does not, but today I'm in. <laughs> Good to see you all in church. It's called the Bible. That's the way God wants it. I don't know why, dude. All these questions? Is a little blind faith too much to ask? This is our, our way. I'm going to randomly select a page here. Go for... Oh, this is an interesting one. That, uh, toward the front of the book. This is page 11 of the... Star Trek writer and director's guide. The story, What Doesn't Work? <laughs> How long is that chapter? Uh, well, there are four points on this page. It looks like it goes on for quite a while mm. after this, but uh, we'll, we'll just deal with this one page. Okay. First, do not write a story which does not principally involve our continuing characters, which is a rule I feel like they break sometimes. They're like... Uh, put the put the episode on the shoulders of a slick back or something like that right yeah that's a thing but uh maybe this is like for speculative scripts they're less interested in that man i i really wish that 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 was still a thing that you could still send a spec script in to a star trek show what a great five years that was or whatever before they shut that off yeah, we met a guy that had, like, I think he'd sold a couple of ideas to them, but none of them ever got made. Yeah. Uh, he worked at the National Center for Science Education when we visited. And, uh, and yeah, like, what a what an idea. Like, walking down the street, an idea for a Star Trek episode pops into your head. I totally had an idea for a Star Trek episode the other day. And I was like, There's no, I can't do anything with this. It's worthless. You could share it on our hit Star Trek podcast. I don't remember it. I didn't write it down because I was like, this isn't worth the neurons it was fired on. Yeah. Yeah. I think the I think the best chance we have of doing Star Trek creative is probably a comic book. If that guy can make yeah. a J.L. Pipes comic book, I yeah. feel like we could do a comic book. I would love to do a comic book. Who, who do we, who's, who's, uh, good graces do we need to get in to do a comic book? Todd McFarlane's good graces, probably. Isn't he the king of all comic books? Should, should we do what um, what Seth uh, McFarlane is doing and, and just, like, come up with our own fakey joke trek and, and, and write a comic book about that? To me, that is even less appealing than the idea <laughs> of, like, fan fiction films. Yeah, it just it just seems like a bad Mad Magazine premise, right? I don't want to do generic label Star Trek. Yeah. Here's a uh, point number two. We do not do stories about psi forces or mysterious psychic powers. No matter how fantastic the events of a story, the explanation must be extrapolated from a generally accep accepted science theory. We have accepted the telepathy of Counselor Deanna Troy because many, many reputable scientists acknowledge the possibility of such abilities. But you will note that we have limited Troy to reading only emotions. And even with her, we use her so little that it doesn't count. <laughs> We're not breaking our rule. <laughs> we swear. Yeah. <laughs> Point three, we are not buying stories which cast our people as and our vessel in the role of galaxy police. Nor is it our mission that of spreading 20th century Euro-American cultural values through the galaxy. Stay true to the prime directive. We are not in the business of toppling cultures that we do not approve of. We are not space meddlers. <laughs> hmm. I guess not if you ignore every single episode of this show ever. <laughs> Meddling is all they do. Yeah, I think that uh, the original series is much more meddlesome than TNG. Yeah. Like, the original series is definitely, like, 
Like, what? You guys are half white on this side, and you guys are half black on the other side, and you can't get along? Well, that's stupid, you know. <laughs> really, uh, really subtle metaphors at play on that, yeah. on that series. <laughs> yeah. Does not put a fine point on it. The fourth and last rule on this page is, we are not buying stories about the original Star Trek characters, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Chekhov, Scotty, and Sulu. Or their descendants. As much as we love our original cast, they are our children after all. We want our audience's attention centered now on our new characters. That seems fair. I guess that means that when they have a Scotty or a Spock show up that comes from in-house, they're not they're not buying that from somebody who's uh, coming in as a as a private contract writer. I've got to imagine that when you're you're tearing open the FedEx envelope of a spec script. Like four out of five of them have to be including original series characters. It just seems like yeah. such an easy crutch. I wonder how it worked. Did you have to have like an agent or a lawyer send it into for you? Like kind of a deal. I don't know. I, I really wish there was like a, a page on that in here. Did you have to have a legion of viewers tweeting at the writer's room? <laughs> Yeah. Begging them to get noticed? Yeah. The most pathetic thing we've ever done. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like, there are, like, jokes about how, you know, at the movie studios, you'll see uh, piles of scripts just on the inside of the fences because people throw them over the walls trying to get their scripts produced. Oh, but, really? Because, yeah, like, they, like most most production companies that do any kind of development have really strict rules about not even looking at unsolicited material. Yeah. Like if a if an agent doesn't walk in the front door with it, if they have no provenance on it, they won't even they'll they'll send it back unopened and like scold you about it cuz they don't want to get sued for stealing ideas. Yeah. You know, if you if you could like make some reasonable claim that you sent them the premise of Vanilla Sky and then they went ahead and made Vanilla Sky. Spec scripts are the heroine of Hollywood. Not even once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it's great, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The first time. <laughs> then you're... Then you're out blowing people in a parking lot for a spec script. Mm. That's no fun. That's no fun. That pavement's hot. Well, I'm sure that our viewers <laughs> would blow anybody for some actual pot at this point, Adam. Should we, uh, sh- should we end the lesson here and get to the show? So endeth the lesson, Ben. Peace be to you. And also with you, Adam. <laughs> it's season six, episode 14. Face of the Enemy. The episode opens and it's like in a in a dark room with some Romulan iconography glowing in it, and uh, there's like a sleeping bread box in there. <laughs> we hear a woman's voice call for lights, and it's like, "Whoa, Romulan! Is she back?" Instead, uh, we're greeted by Deanna Troy in full Romulan burlesque. Yeah. She's little. She's the littlest Romulan. <laughs> littlest bread box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, um... It's got to be hard to sleep in the bread box. Like, I am... Yeah, there's a spiky metal thing that goes over it. I'm a real tosser and turner, Ben. I change positions all the time. Doing all yeah. the positions at night. And uh, in the bread box, you're stuck. Yeah, you got that, uh, you got that nice new mattress, too. It's true. You don't want to poke holes in it with that metal sash. Yeah, that's that. Uh, the bread box uniform, ultra confining. The bread box is so like desexualizing, but that fucking sash is so kinky looking. Yeah, it looks like something out of bondage. It truly does. It seems like it would get caught on everything. <laughs> yeah. Like caught on your sleeve when you're eating. I could imagine like you're bringing your hand up to your face to eat something, and then your forearm is just caught in it caught in your chest if i was in the uh in the position to make this happen i would like just uh have have like in one scene just like a piece of macaroni 
cotton one, <laughs> one of the one of the Romulans metal sash there's a reason you don't see uh, Romulans hugging ever because it's like two teenagers kissing <laughs> and they, yeah, they just get, get stuck immediately <laughs> um, yeah so so she gets on the lights and it's uh, she's it's Troy but but loafed like a Romulan it's Romutroy <laughs> it's Tromulin no it isn't Romtroilin no it's not <laughs> I think Romutroy mate I'm sticking with a Lilith Romulan. <laughs> Lilith Romulan? Yeah. All right. Like written okay. in that crayon font. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every letter is a different color. She's just so wee. <laughs> and the R is backwards. <laughs> well, now you're starting to kind of infringe on Toys R Us's... Uh, oh, yeah. I can't do that. I- IP, you know. The deal is... Troy's been kidnapped while at a conference, Ben. Uh, I was at the uh, neuropsychology seminar at Bukhara 6. What? That never happens. Transit to and from conferences, always the most dangerous part of a Federation officer's job. I was attacked. Nothing more hazardous, aside from maybe the holodeck, than going to a conference. (laughs) They stopped going to Pacifica altogether because of this problem. Yeah, you never hear about it anymore. Yeah. So this this dude with this shovel face comes in, and he's like, hey, so here's the deal. You're high up in the Tal Shiar, which is the Romulan, uh, the Romulan spy corps, and you're going to like tell the captain of this ship to go to these coordinates. Come with me if you want to live. And she's like, fuck you. I'm not doing anything. What's going on? There is no time to explain everything. You must listen. It's really funny that this guy like just assumes she's going along with it without... like. Without talking her into anything at all. I've got to believe that Troy also has been hip to the adventures of Riker and the Romulans. Like, everyone knows that if you're dealing with Romulans, there's a better than 50% chance that it's some sort of holographic projection. (laughs) Like, I wonder at what point Troy doesn't start just yelling at people. She's got to want to, right? He comes in and she says, shut your mouth. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is this the work of Baresh? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> is that the guy, is that the kid that Riker meets in the cave? Yeah, the the kid that Riker insists on calling Jean-Luc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well we can tell it's not because this guy's got a real a real shovel face. Yeah. Well, just for the sake of the sake of ease, I'll call him Chevulin. And um <sighs> He's uh, he's telling her, like, so here's the deal. Like, you've got to do what I say because you are a Federation officer uh, that is in Romulan drag on this ship. I'm, I'm going to coach you through this. I think you can do this, but uh, unless you do what I ask you to, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And, uh, and, you know, you're on a Romulan warbird right now, so you're, you're basically up shit creek unless you start trusting me. It's a real, like, the pilot is dead and she's got to land the plane problem, right? She is way far away from home. The only way she can ensure her survival is to go along with this guy's idiotic plan. She has every motivation to go along with it at this point. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. She's tested right away. She's got to go up to the bridge with this guy, talk to the captain, and the captain right away is not liking her whole deal. And it's not because... She suspects that uh, that Troy is a spy or not who she says she is. Uh, this Romulan captain's got a real stick up her ass about the whole uh, Tal Shiar Corps. Not a big fan. There In seems way, there seems to be a conflict between the military and and the Romulan politic, and uh, and that's being dis- that's on display here on the bridge. And then in a way, Troy is super lucky for this th- this captain having this. Yeah really strong bent against it because I think the captain sort of misses that Troy's affect, the way she's carrying herself is totally insane for somebody <laughs> who's a spy yeah. at this point. Like she's meek and unsure of herself. And she, she does away with that as she gets more used to playing the role. But in, in this first scene, she's like, um, we got to go meet this, uh, this freighter in this system, I insist, I'm Tal Shiar. Yeah, in the way that nice can sometimes read as unsure. 
Like, like this is this is her carriage in this scene. And there, yeah. if, if there's one thing about the captain you can say about her is that she is very sure and very not nice. Is this captain the same lady that was in the uh, episode where Riker's on the planet with the lobster hands and uh, the first contact episode? Sure feels that way. Is she the scientist lady from that? Just with different loaf? Research! <laughs> yeah, we we could never know for sure. They change course, and the captain is not psyched about it. I guess she's a commander, right? Commanders are the bosses of yeah of Romulan ships. Yeah, that's the diff. That's how they're addressed. And so they change course, and they're gonna. They're gonna go meet up with some uh, some some aliens on a freighter in some system, the Caleb sector. Yeah. At this point, th- their their mission is a little opaque. Yeah. The Caleb sector is like the uh, the fraternity row of the galaxy, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. You want to uh, you want to skip that block if you're walking home. <laughs> yeah. Definitely want to make sure that you don't accept any drinks from strangers in that part of the galaxy. No studying done in the Caleb sector, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. You get, your, uh, you get your basketball shorts pulled down if you don't pop the collar on your polo shirt in the Caleb sector. On your two polo shirts, even. <laughs> Remember when people were wearing two polo shirts? Adam, we admit a lot of embarrassing things on this show. And uh, I will admit to having done that. Oh, God. Not you, Ben. <laughs> Anyone but you. I wouldn't have expected that at all. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not proud of it. How do you choose what's on the inside and what's on the outside? I would typically go with a lighter colored shirt of the same hue on the inside. So like a light green on the inside and a dark green on the outside. That's just a lot of material. Yeah. I don't really know what motivated it. <laughs> I definitely didn't know anybody personally who did it. Uh, did I Dave Matthews Band ba- music motivate it? <laughs> no, I actually. Uh, this may, this may, this may completely absolve me uh-huh. of the sin of of, uh, of this polo shirt situation, Adam. I'm ready to give you absolution, Ben. In preparing to go off to college, I made a promise to myself that I would never never be in a room full of white people and Dave Matthews band playing. And uh, I, I managed to pull that off with with a, a flawless execution. Oof. Well, good job by you. <laughs> managed to dodge that, uh, that very long bullet with like <laughs> a seven-minute part in the middle of the bullet that's just a bunch of jamming. <laughs> like... You shoot that Dave Matthews bullet at someone, it's going to take a long time to get there. Yeah. (laughs) Get out of the way! And the guy who's shooting it is just going to tell you the entire time about uh, how genius it is. Yeah. Um, He seems like a very nice guy, Dave Matthews. Yeah. So, we've got... Look, as with anything else, it's not the band that I hate, it's their fans. To uh, to bite a great Sloan lyric. A lot of fun happens on this Romulan ship before we get to anything with the entrepreneur. And uh, we've established a lot of stakes. Your only chance to get off this ship alive is to do as I say. We've established a lot of interesting dynamics between the characters. The sub-commander, Shevulin, who's going <laughs> to walk Troy through this whole situation. We get to see uh, a lot of the interior of the ship too. More, yeah. more of a Romulan interior space than we've ever gotten before. I mean, the only Romulan world we've seen up to now was like the barrio, right, where they serve right. the soup. Yeah, and uh, and it was clearly a you know a a low budget job on that. This is uh, this didn't didn't uh, this wasn't a cheap s- series of sets to build. They really built the inside of a of a. Uh, of a warbird, so it's it's fun to be on a warbird that's not messed up, you know. Warbird's a great like looking a, ship, also. Great job yeah. on that warbird. Yeah, good model. I was hoping for a soup callback in the one meal scene we got on this episode, because in yeah. my mind, 
Romulans love soup, but no soup callbacks to be found here. Looks like solid food all around. Yeah, it was a fun scene because uh, the uh, the the salty ass commander is like telling Troy to try some dish and she reaches for the wrong one because she doesn't know what any of the dishes are <laughs> called. <laughs> and then she just insults the one that uh, that she uh, neglected to get. I smelled better veinerine on prison ships. Everyone seems to have sort of a TV dinner configuration to their meal. <laughs> like right down to the super hot dessert in that middle square. Romulans, maybe above all else, don't want their food to touch. <laughs> that is a real thing. It looks fresh, too. Like, I don't know That's why. The kind I, of regimented society that they're living in. I also have it in my head that they're not using replicators. They have a real kitchen on board. It didn't look like fake food, did it? No. Although, although Troy does say that, like, she's had better whatever on a prison ship. So it implies that it's not the good stuff. It's a real, uh, you eat pieces of shit for breakfast moment (laughs) that she gets at that dinner table. That's fun. Yeah. So the first, uh, we see of the entrepreneur is they're pulling up to a planet and they're, they beam on board this, this guy who's like a kind of sandy blonde human, but he's got a crazy Romulan haircut. Yeah. And uh, he's in a bread box. Find some civilian clothes. I don't want to see you in that uniform. When you spend enough time on Romulus, the Romulan supercuts is your only option. Right. I guess so. Yeah. You go to the Romulan supercuts and they have that picture of all the different men's hairstyles, but it's just <laughs> one hairstyle for eight pictures. <laughs> It's just repeated over and over again. (laughs) You guys don't even do like a mullet or anything? Like, how do you even do those four-inch sideburns? It's amazing. Yeah. The guy has so much volume. Yeah. Amazing amount of volume. It's sort of like the Jonathan Lipnicki bowl cut with just massive cartoonishly sideburns. Yeah. I I went to college at the same time as... uh, as, uh, what's the kid from Sixth Sense? Uh, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, Haley Joel Osment. And, and this is, this is evident, uh, to anybody who sees him now, but like his hair totally scaled up with him as he grew. Yeah. Like he lost none of the volume of childhood that most <laughs> of us lose. It's almost like your hair, it has a baby teeth equivalent sometimes. Yeah. And he never lost his hair baby teeth. No, yeah, you'd be in the in the main hall of the college, and his hair was like impossible to ignore. It was just, it was just this like totally astonishing mop of hair. Did you have to steal yourself from touching it? Like, <laughs> it just drew you in. He's like, my eyes are down here. <laughs> well, anyways, the deal with this guy is he's like a human who defected to Romulus and. He's like having this kind of interesting chat with Picard where he says like, hey man, I defected to Romulus because I liked the kind of ordered nature of their society. It really appealed to me as a younger man and I've sort of become, you know, the scales have fallen from my eyes. I don't, I don't find that as appealing now and I've, I realize that I've like sealed my own fate and I'm going to be court-martialed or whatever, but that's why it all went down the way it did. He's like, not for nothing, but uh, does Ma have any times available in the barbershop? Uh, (laughs) I I heard he's the best. I would would really like to correct this, like, as soon as possible. There's a time when you want to call a Romulan's bluff, and there's a time when you don't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the permanence of my haircut should not be a punishment for my crime. Yeah, he's. A, I couldn't tell if he was a, a really weird-looking guy or just the hair is so weird that he's totally a victim of, of the weird cut. <laughs> yeah, he looks like he's being held hostage by that thing. <laughs> One of the haircuts in this episode that we need to do a deep dive on is Worf coming back from Mexico with like yeah. a couple of braids down the side being pulled into a really smart ponytail. True indeed. He's got we a have, rockin' pony. We have seen the advent of the wharf pony. Feels great. Yeah. 
Season six is like not afraid to change the look of a character. They've changed Troy's look. Now they've changed Worf's look. Evidently, a year and a half has gone by between Aquiel and this episode because <laughs> yeah. he gained he gained like eight good inches of hair. That is uh, that takes a long time to grow out. There's no way he's sitting through through extensions, right? That's not what this is. No, that's the way a coward grows their hair. <laughs> That's more of a vanity than than Worf would afford himself. Yeah. And he's definitely not hanging out in Mott's shop long enough to undergo any kind of procedure, you know? Boy, no kidding. Yeah, the thing that I didn't remember about the Worf pony were, were the braids down the side. That just seems like... That seems like a bridge too far for Worf yeah. in the decorative <laughs> hair department. A little, a little bit like... Uh, Something that somebody did in his tent at Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. Like, hey, we got a lot of time to kill. Why don't I put a braid in that mane? Yeah. Uh, what he's hiding underneath the ponytail are the are the two butterfly clips <laughs> holding those braids in. <laughs> I, th- I kind of wanted to talk about the idea of clarity of purpose as a value. At one time, I found their sense of purpose, their passion and commitment to be very compelling. This ends in admired that about the uh, about the Romulans and so much so that he left Starfleet for a position in the Romulan military and it wasn't like what the purpose was but the clarity of it that appealed to him and I think that that's that's a pretty interesting thing to think about I mean like I I think that our country has kind of gone through periods of having clarity of purpose and not, you know, like the war effort or the space race or whatever uh, can, in, in by the war effort, I guess I mean World War II specifically. Um, but like, you know, I, I sort of feel like in some ways we are a society that lacks a clarity of purpose right now. And I could kind of, I could kind of dig what he was saying a little bit. I, I felt similarly, but also different about that and my thoughts were more along the lines of like I never want to feel as though my my feelings about any subject have atrophied like I always want to evolve in my thinking about stuff yeah and and for a certain type of person philosophical rigidity is very comforting yes and uh, I think that is a perspective that this guy has, and that is what he found so attractive about living on Romulus. Aside right, from or the, he had it, and he, yeah. and he and he realized that there was some limitations there, which is a really interesting, like especially in midlife, yeah, a really interesting evolution to go through. And it it's so thrown away, you know, like they have this conversation, and it and it provoked all these thoughts in me, and I just thought it was so excellent that it was like they could they could put a big idea like this just kind of casually into the episode and not trip over it or make it stupid or cheesy or there was a time when they would construct an entire episode and make this the a story right around it you know but this is a real deep b yeah and uh i appreciate it i am the cutest of all you will assist us i am the cutest of all Back on the Romulan ship, the Lilis Breadbox and Chevulin are down in the cargo bay. And there's been a bunch of like back and forth with the captain about these mysterious uh, cargo pods that have been loaded onto her ship. Um, and uh, Troy opens one up and discovers there's a guy inside of it sleeping. He's alive in stasis. They're laying down in like a mini recording studio. <laughs> yeah, it's the uh, it's the acoustical tile. It made me wonder, like, in how how deep is their stasis really? If they need to soundproof those boxes as as big as they do. Yeah, well, it's a it's a uh, it's a new type of stasis pod that <laughs> combines latex foam with memory foam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, one of the side effects of this. Uh, sedation technique is uh, night terrors. These people will often wake up screaming. So we got to button them up in these soundproof chambers real tight. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the deal is these are like bigwigs from the Romulan government. Who is it? 
Vice Proconsul Moret of the Imperial Senate and his two top aides. One of them is like the, I don't know, dean of students or something. <laughs> and, uh, and they're defecting to Vulcan, I guess. Like these are, the uh, Shovulin guy is, uh, is pals with Spock. And you son of a bitch! You wish to add something to our discussion, Dr. Ryan? Vice Proconsul Moret might be trying to defect. They are working on establishing a way for Romulans who aren't down with the current regime to defect, to get out and like build a way for there to be some sort of cultural interchange also, I guess. So this is very much a follow-up story to the uh, to the cowboy diplomacy mm. episodes. Spock on Romulus! <laughs> You gotta go get him. God, defection seems really difficult in the future. It is not yeah. just catching a flight across an ocean. It is light years away. I mean, it was no joke in the 80s when uh, you had to uh, steal a nuclear sub and the uh, entire Soviet surface fleet would sortie after you, right? It's true. You know what? Maybe uh, maybe this is a little bit of canonical October in that, uh, <laughs> in that these, these pods are the caterpillar drive of silence. They really built this. This isn't a mock-up or anything. You know? Get yourself a quiet wow. pod. That's deep, Adam. Real deep. <laughs> Too deep for you, Ben? Passing 1,500 feet. At 1850, it's all over. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. So so, so the, these kind of two things are happening in parallel, right? The uh, human that defected and now is, is uh, undefecting is telling Picard, like, you, like this is a message from Spock. you got to go meet up with this freighter. And Shevulin is like, is like hey, listen, like, you gotta, you got to get these dudes to this freighter so that they can be passed off to the Federation safely. We can't deliver them into the Federation. We're on a Romulan ship, but we can hire some kind of neutral mercenary aliens to do the job. Yeah, sort of an, an Uber Eats type starship. Yeah. Is who they need to meet up with. They give Uber them the defection. they give them the insulated bags of politicians, uh, mm. so they stay warm uh, throughout their journey. <laughs> yeah, I think this is like about when the the warbird meets up with the uh, with the mercenaries that they're going to pass these guys off to, and uh, they get on Facetime with this guy, and he's just got a real a real crazy face. <laughs> He's a little bit like Thing from Fantastic Four, except yeah. not as chunky. Yeah. I like I like just kind of like a one-off weirdo alien like this. Yeah. They really put a lot into this alien being just a weird kind of guy. You're really right. I mean, he has four lines of dialogue, and then he's dead. <laughs> but he spends longer in the makeup chair by a long shot than he ever does on screen. He sure does, yeah. I mean, he is—he's—he's uh, he's got quite a bit more loaf than even Worf. You know how sometimes you see a like news anchor, he'll wear the shirt and the tie and the jacket, but underneath the desk is like jeans. <laughs> like you can totally imagine this guy having sat through eight hours of makeup, and he's wearing like a t-shirt and uh, and, like and dolphin shorts and dolphin shorts. On the bridge of that other ship. <laughs> like, there's nothing you see below the neck over there. Yeah. Yeah, your yeah, sweatpants ch- are fine. <laughs> Just put on this big green sweater <laughs> over the top part, and uh, the, that should do it. Uh, LaForge wore this in the last episode. We're never going to see it again. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing about Troy being here is that she can tell that this dude is lying through his teeth. They have no intention of keeping their word. I thought it was kind of weird that she wouldn't beam over with it. Was that not part of the plan? That's what I was expecting. Maybe she felt like if she beamed over with it, they would try and, like, take her hostage or something. But, like, in the way that when you're given your meal at a restaurant and you don't like it, if you were to stand up and throw that plate against a wall... Flip over the table and walk out. One of the major overreactions in Star Trek is Troy relaying this information to Shovelface, and then Shovelface full spread destroying the cargo ship based on her word. Like, whoa, man! 
He's yeah. down. The captain is like, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? Even on the Romulan violent spectrum, this is way over the top. <laughs> Shovel face turns around and he's like all caught up in his sash. Like that was the reason he accidentally fired as he's just totally <laughs> hamstrung by his uniform. Shovel face, this is a chess ship. Why are you playing checkers? <laughs> yeah, poor guy. Didn't even see it coming. The other thing about these... uh. These Romulans is like we get maybe the richest tapestry of different bread boxes. Yeah, we've ever gotten in this episode. Like it's a real array of patterns and colors. Yeah, like the the pattern seems to have some sort of some sort of bearing on like what their role is, and I guess in the way that the colors do on on a Federation ship. Yeah, for uh, instance, like the black and white herringbone pattern is is given to, like, the 60-year-old mom type of Romulan. The hound's tooth is for the, like, 20-something who's really coming into her own. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Real classic designs. Yeah. Uh, There's Uh, there's also the the more bro-y gingham design (laughs) that you'll find uh, at the Romulan J. Crew. Yeah. That's very popular in the Caleb sector. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, those gings match up nicely. The breadbox gings and like a nice, nice khaki yeah. pant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a boat shoe, a khaki pant, and a breadbox ging. <laughs> yeah, a couple of cheap brew dogs, and you're good to go. Some Ray Bans and brew dogs. Yeah. Did you notice that they had a beer pong table on this Romulan ship? (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, you know, when in Rome. So they've blown up this this ship, which really fucks the plan up. Our plan has collapsed. Because that ship is the one that was going to go meet up with the entrepreneur, pass off the dean of students, and, uh, you know complete the complete the secret mission and so the uh the captain of the romulan ship is like let's uh let's go to cloak and see what see what happens here um but i'm i'm pretty eager to get back on the mission that i was doing before <laughs> this tal shiar asswipe showed up and um and so like like this is around when the entrepreneur pulls into the sector and starts scanning around and discovers this debris field and uh <laughs> the human the human uh Romulan defector guy is like oh fuck <laughs> that was my ticket out of this mess e <laughs> he's like uh, anytime i could get that haircut guys like yeah. like like no, like before, I was being casual about it, but um, I'm not long for this world. So if we starting just, to feel urgent, if we, if we could just go ahead and uh, like, I'd even take a slick back at this point. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes the oldest slick back. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's got to be coloring the way people treat him. You know, yeah. It's like uh, it, it's like a like I can we, can we please shave the Hitler mustache off of me so, so that you guys stop having a terrible feeling when you look at me? Yeah. Yeah, he's always sitting alone in 10 forward. <laughs> we get that montage of him sitting down at a full table and everyone else leaving. <laughs> uh the Aquiel's so- dog is his only friend. <laughs> What happened to Aquiel's dog oh, get yeah. vaporized? Oh shit, that's right. You know what? Aquiel should have been way more sad at the end of that episode. She lost her dog. Yeah, we, we didn't even talk about that. She'd be devastated. I would be devastated. Hmm. Love that guy. Yeah. Shevulin is like, all right, listen, littlest bread box. We gotta get these. We gotta get these guys to this Federation planet that they were headed toward. Or everything is fucked, and I mean everything. And the only way we're going to do that is if you like continue to pull rank on the commander and like make sure that it actually happens. And, and also, like, you are just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to tell you that. What a punim! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you get 
is this a child size uniform? <laughs> she bought it in juniors, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Troy is like, Doug, we cannot go to uh, Draken 4 or whatever. Like, that's in Federation space, and they've got ways of detecting even cloaked ships uh, on the border. Like, there's no way to get through. And he's like, well, listen, like, we can get through if you give the secret code to get by him. And this is, like, maybe the biggest missed opportunity in this episode is I feel like that should have caused her to really start to question whether this was all a gaslighting operation to get her to reveal the secret codes to get across the Federation border. Seems obvious to me at the time. Yeah, like, they kind of, like, let you come to that conclusion yourself but never deal with it in the episode. Also, can you imagine... A company, corporation, military, any any entity of people giving a counselor figure any intelligence that would have this sort of value. What in the <laughs> world would Counselor Troy need with these codes? The gravitic sensor access codes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me a break. Give me a break about that. And also, give me a break about everyone loving Draken 4. <laughs> like everyone loves everyone loves Draken, but I gotta tell you, I find his music boring. I heard that there was uh, there was some 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 static at one of the uh, one of the tables at my wedding because one of my guests, one Jesse Thorne, was talking smack about Drake, and one of my other guests, one Sean Romsferum of uh, WNYC Radio, being basically the biggest drake fan of all time i was at that table oh really i mean while we're dropping names there was also an adam pranica at that table <laughs> yeah what did it, 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 he he signed up he signed up with with uh jesse thorne on this issue i was the switzerland of the table who was just content to eat more and more tacos i got told about this later which led me to believe it was a really tense situation would you characterize it as that there is a, like, one of the things I love about having conversations with Jesse is that everything is given the same amount of seriousness in terms of, <laughs> of how he says stuff. Yeah. And so I could easily see a moment where he would have what he believes to be a fun a critical conversation about a thing and and to get argumentative in that way but in his super cool way that someone else would take great umbrage with so that part yeah. like doesn't surprise me at all but i take great joy in in hearing jesse discuss matters in that way and so i <laughs> yeah. at no point found it to be a contentious thing but i could see how that it would be interpreted in that way yeah got heated yeah well you imagine the, getting um, in a fight over Drake? <laughs> Come on. Who cares? Like there's better things to fight about. Yeah. Speaking of hair, did you notice the uh, the helmsman on the entrepreneur this episode looked like she had her hair done for like the uh, Orange County Junior Prom? Yeah. <laughs> she had she had the most ornate updo like uh looked, looked like she went for for like a hair treatment for like two hours before you know before they uh, got the rented limo and headed down to the prom i'm trying to reduce the amount of time needed to get ready before work at every yeah. turn en- ensign mcknight is really like where how do how can we step the game up even more i mean on on Captain Picard's bridge, I think you'll do what it takes to get noticed. <laughs> Three extra inches of hair on the top of your head? I mean... That might do the trick. You do the hair game right, you might get invited to some data poetry reading. <laughs> As his date. the world's your oyster. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we've seen uh, Helmsman Jay ever since, so... Maybe that yeah, didn't end up right. too well. R.I.P.J. Well, the entrepreneur is like, well, bummer, these guys got blowed up. I guess we'll head off. And the 
Romulan ship is going to follow them, and Troy manages to convince Shevulin to like have a talk with the engineer and tweak the cloaking device in such a way that it won't be obvious that it's not working perfectly, but the entrepreneur will be able to detect it if they're lucky. And so they detect it. Is it possible that we're picking up a cloaked Romulan ship? And they stop and turn around and the ca- the commander of the Romulan ship realizes that uh, they are not quite as cloaked as they thought they were. And so she um, she really like flips out and uh, is like getting ready to destroy the entrepreneur. And um, The plan she proposes is so insane. This starship chicken idea yeah. she hatches about like, okay, we're going to stay cloaked and we're gonna uh, we're gonna set a course right for their ship, and if yeah. they can detect us, they'll move out of the way, and then we'll get destroyed. But if they don't <laughs> detect us, we'll run right into them, and then we'll get destroyed. Yeah, this is a terrible uh, yeah. plan. It's like uh, like the only way they could get out of it would be if the entrepreneur did a crazy Ivan. Come on, crazy Ivan. Right. They get on the the FaceTime and. Uh, and and uh, Lilith Redbox has taken over the ship. I am Major Rakal of the Tal Shiar. I'm Jean-Luc Picard of the Enterprise. She's like taking the commander out of command and she's talking a bunch of shit to Picard. She opens fire, but rather than uh, the Romulan disruptor doing damage to the Enterprise, instead the three government functionaries that they've been secretly transporting uh, materialize on the bridge like three little sausages lying together <laughs> and uh, they're really lucky no one was walking there that would have been that would have been ugly that could have but, been um, a melt into the floor situation the I guess the like uh, the crew on the on the Romulan bridge were like why didn't that super powerful blast we just unleashed hurt them at all that makes no sense. Oh, look, there was a transporter beam concealed in it. What a surprise. Poor Shovelface eats it. He's been he's been outed as a traitor. Yeah. And his he, phaser setting was most definitely gore. Yeah, green gore. Yeah. There's nothing to scrape off of the deck plating after he dies. It's no good for him. And you have to wonder, like, what happens to the rest of the resistance back on Romulus. Like, how much do these guys know about what happened? So many people are dying on this mission. That cargo ship's full of people. Shovelface mentions that, like, they're not the first people who've died on this one. Like, I mean, it's a a good thing that uh, this story's paid off with these three Romulans. And we know the true, like, the true scale to the mission success here. Oh, wait, that doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> it uh, Yeah, I mean, we just kind of have to take their word for it that, uh, that this was a big coup for peace. I don't know that, I don't know that this is ever discussed ever again in the series. Yeah, I don't think so. Like, shouldn't the Romulans just be, like, super cheesed off at the Federation for, you know, this is, like, as embarrassing for them as the time that the entrepreneur transported one of their spies in the, yeah. in the guise of a, Rush, uh, of a Vulcan ambassador to the border, right? Yeah. At least as embarrassing. The button is uh, is they, they transport Troy back to the entrepreneur. She gets her loaf removed. She's happily yeah. herself. And that's it. See, she barely got beamed out of there. They, like, got her in the split second between the Romulans dropping their shield and raising their cloaking device. Yeah. Almost lost her there. Boy, she would have been in the shit if they got away with her. That would have been it. She would have been big, big trouble. Did you like this episode, Ben? I did. I thought it was was a very fun episode cloak and dagger spy story told in this place and um it relies on you to kind of know the mechanics of a lot of how the world works and it doesn't like beat you over the head with re-explaining those things um 
which I feel like is a, a, an example of a script being confident in itself. Um, I liked how little we got on the, on the, uh, ensign that's, you know, redefecting back to the, to the Federation. Like we get a little of his motivation, but we never get anything about what he did. And, mm-hmm. and I thought that, that that was, they left some nice pregnancy in his, in his story yeah. to, uh, let, let your mind wander or pretend, perhaps like leave the option of having another episode with him where you could go into more detail or something. Yeah. Uh, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot too. And I think the reason why is, is the magic trick in the beginning. Like there is no fucking way that the story makes any sense at all. The idea that the Romulans would kidnap counselor Troy, like (laughs) doesn't hold any water. And not only that, if people are constantly getting kidnapped on their way to and from, uh, these conferences, why are they traveling this way? Why are they going in single shuttlecraft or whatever? Like they ex- this they happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's almost yeah. like the conference is a death sentence. Like <laughs> I wouldn't want to go. Yeah. Like I'll just WebEx in. Thank you. <laughs> Do you guys have a Zoom portal? But the magic trick I'm talking about is that cold open is so well done. The reveal is so enjoyably shocking that you're immediately yeah. on to the next after the theme song. Like, like you, you get over that, the reason that she's there and right into, you know, her existing in this universe in a way that, you know, there's really not a lot of time to consider how ridiculous uh, it is that she's there in the first place. So if you can, if you can suspend that disbelief, I think this is a very enjoyable yeah. episode. One of my favorite things in cooking is when I like have made a whole bunch of something that is a bit of a, a a thing to make and then I have it and I like come up with some some meal some night and realize I have like a bunch of homemade pinto beans in the fridge that they w- would be perfect for it. Mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of happens in this episode with this cold open cuz we've spent a lot of time establishing Rami Arlen in silhouette and like sitting back in the dark somewhere so they can really throw you off the scent in these opening moments with with Troy in the dark as a Romulan and uh it just it makes it makes that that reveal so much more shocking it's the pinto bean reveal yep Ben do we have any priority 1 communications coming in through the subspace. Oh, we almost always do. I feel very lucky to say we almost always do, Adam. Let's check it out. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we got a personal priority one message here. Uh, it's from Braxton and Colin, and it's to Wakas and Kari. Goes like this: Be like JLP, and remember the four lights of marriage: love, trust, patience, communication, and Star Trek. <laughs> Hope your wedding has minimum knock and lots of bangers, but save the biggest banger for the end of the night. Hey, here's to the finest couple in DC. P.S. Hope the Horgon we got you brings plenty of fun new friends into your relationship. Wow. That was a wedding toast quality P1 right there. Yeah. Yeah, that was like just the right amount of of roasting for a a wedding toast. Yeah. A little little bit of ribaldry to uh, lightly scandalize the uh, old ladies in the crowd. Maybe we'll see these guys in Washington, D.C., uh, toward yeah. the end of August on our tour. We are definitely going to try and show up in D.C. for the tour. Yeah. Come out and see us. If you're not on your honeymoon, that is. Yeah. You got a, uh, a P1 for the peeps, Adam? Sure do. Ben, this message is from Michelle. It is for my husband, Jesse. Happy birthday! Message goes like this. I hope Adam and Ben successfully veto an ep. Even fistful of datas or shipping a bottle, 
So Tapestry lands on your birthday. <laughs> tapestry, one of the great episodes. That's right. I love you more than I hate the veto rules and more than I love data-related holodeck mishaps. <laughs> if I could go back in time, rip out my heart, and give it to you all over again, I totally would. Hashtag greatest Gen Con Boston 2017. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Boston. Hell of a city. Do love it there. I'm, I'm a big fan of Boston. I don't know if Greatest Gen Con is going to happen there, though. <laughs> no. No. Can't do it in Boston. Could be touring there, though. Yeah. Likely. If I could go back in time and rip out my heart. It's like a song lyric right there. It's great. Man. Well said, Michelle. Happy yeah. birthday, Jesse. And happy wedding, Wakas and Kari. Uh, if you would like to leave a priority one message of the personal or commercial nature you go to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron and use the uh, form there to fill it out it's 100 bucks for a personal 200 for a commercial helps us keep the lights on around here our hosting is ridiculously pricey I'm not kidding yeah it's an it's an ongoing humiliation <laughs> Darmok Pangelad Tanaga you might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself the littlest drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I don't know if it's the littlest, but I did find one. Um, There is a scene in the Romulan Bridge at the end of this episode where Troy has taken over and she, like, disarmed the commander. (laughs) So the commanders had to just kind of... uh, bear the indignity of standing around on the bridge watching Troy do the rest of uh, the dirty stuff that she came here to do. And the commander realizes that it's all been a trick and has not been genuine tell she our business. And uh, she goes for her giant waste basket that <laughs> Romulan's Keep their, keep their disruptor guns in, yeah. and finds it empty. And they go in for a close up on her hand, like like probing deep into this basket for for the gun that we have established very clearly is not there. Her holster is like a Cape Cod style wicker basket that's used for like blankets or something. Yeah, it's and and they all have them, and they're all so big that they like can't really <laughs> let their arms hang comfortably at their sides. <laughs> Like, there's no way she isn't exquisitely aware that she doesn't have a gun in that thing. <laughs> she's so got, she was my drunk Shimoda. She's got a couple kittens in there. <laughs> They're so cute. Yeah, it's going to be uh, the February month on, uh, <laughs> on my kitten calendars. Romulan disruptor basket kittens. Oh, they just opened their eyes. Oh, little sweeties. <laughs> Please, someone make Romulan Disruptor Basket Kittens the calendar. I would love to see that. (laughs) I would buy that calendar today. Yeah. Did you have a drunk Shimoda, Adam? Yeah, I left the episode for it, though. I'm just going to give the Shimoda to uh, Marina Sirtis, who had her name on the call sheet every day. Like, she goes long periods of time without an episode of her own. And I can only imagine how great it had to be to be in just about every scene in this episode, doing a lot of weird stuff, acting, yeah. acting against character and type, eating weird food, like mm-hmm. yelling at people. Yeah. Uh, it just seemed like a ton of fun for her to have in a Star Trek career where she gets relatively little of it. So, um, I mean, I think uh, in true Shimoda fashion, I think she milks it for all it's worth. I love it when Marina Sardis gets a juicy episode that isn't a joke against her. Yeah. And it really exposes how underutilized she was on this on this show. You can't tell me that there wasn't even a little bit of character break in the beginning when she can't believe that that's the story. <laughs> She's like, wait a second, what? <laughs> I gotta talk cool. I gotta talk my way off this Romulan ship and I have a whole episode to do it. Alright. I'm game. Now we're talking. Doesn't matter how ridiculous I personally find this story. I'm gonna go for it all the way. Yeah. Good times. What are we watching on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season six, episode fifteen Tapestry. After Picard loses his life in a surprise attack, Q gives him the chance to change his destiny. Do you remember this episode, Adam? Ben, this episode is the answer to the question, what is your favorite Star Trek The Next Generation episode? What? Yeah, this is this is top of the mountain. It's a me. Q episode for you? Yeah, I love this episode. I, like I don't even know you, man. 
I love this episode. This episode makes me feel all the feelings. I really wish I had a veto to use on this episode. As someone who is haunted by their regrets and life choices as much as you are, I'm surprised that you don't feel the same way about this ep as I do. Well, we can get into it as we discuss it because we are forced to. But I have uh, I have strong anti-this-episode opinions. Ooh. Should be an interesting uh, episode next time. Gonna really get into it then. Yeah. I ride for tapestry. I ride against it. Hmm. Your loss. Uh, one group of people who always rides for us, Ben, are our legion of viewers who chat us up on Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. I'm on there as at CutForTime. Ben is there as at BenjaminR. AHR. You can find us also yeah. on, on Facebook and Reddit. On Pinterest. And, uh, and HelloFresh. <laughs> uh, we, we've got a wikia yeah, That's a great place to go uh, that, that wikia is great they got, uh, There's like new jokes on there that, uh, that really add to the rich tapestry That is our program uh, And uh, yeah, what else? We should thank uh, Adam Ragusea for our music And Dark Materia for our theme music and, um, what do you think? Is the uh, Crimson Tide special app out by now? Probably is, right? I think it probably is. If it's not out by the time this episode comes out, then it is very close. Like, within a day of coming so out. So, if you can hear this, it's probably out. And, uh, go check your donor feed for that. I, I equivocate uh, so much because I'm in charge of that edit. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, to broaden the scope a little bit. Yeah, uh, it'll definitely be out. So <laughs> go enjoy it. It's great. It's one of the best edits we've ever had. Oh yeah, it's the tops. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm so psyched about the uh, music that Adam Ragusea made for it. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, uh, it's been a fun one. Next week is looking. Like it's shaping up to be contentious, so uh, so brace yourselves. And with that, we will be back at you next time with a, another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. An episode of The Greatest Generation that needs to do its shirt laundry very badly. We're going to find out on the next episode uh, which one of us has a real heart, which one of us has an artificial heart. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.